A shooting occurs in Georgia and everybody jumps to race immediately as soon as everything comes out. So we'll talk a bit about what happened there. Jeff Bandrew, the former Democrat who turned Republican, is getting death threats now. So we'll talk a little bit about why. In other news, Guam's uh, representative is getting dragged a little bit for what he did. And the filibuster takes place and people take aim at it one more time. I'm Jay Edgar and this is Contemporary. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to uh, let's try that again. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Contemporary. My name is Jay Edgar. We've got some stuff to get to today. It's it was for the most part a quiet news day yesterday until the end, and a bunch of other stuff popped up, including an explosion in California, some nut job that went off and shot up a bunch of spas in Georgia, and the filibuster is the next piece of centerpiece news for the government here. They're going to keep trying to hammer that away until they lose their majority in the Senate here. And it's going to be all of that and more today over on Contemporary. I hope we've got some new people watching today. I got into an argument with somebody on Twitter last night and went up 30 followers on the recommendation of somebody who's got a larger following, uh, following than I do. So I hope some of those people come and hang out with me today because they seem to like the way that I analyze the news and come back with the receipts. So... Let's see if I hold up to their scrutiny here and stop tripping over my words and doing my Biden impression. And not the fun one where I go, come on, man! The one where I go, But before we get into any of that, head on over and check out my friends over at the Freedom Scoop Media Group. We will be premiering the new Freedom Scoop website on the day of the charity stream. That is April 17th, 2021. 24 hours for suicide prevention. I'll be doing a 24-hour stream. We'll be doing some video games in the morning. And then I think we're going to have a lot of great interviews and great guests coming on throughout the day. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to see if we can raise some money to help end this suicide pandemic that's been going on, be well, since the other pandemic started. Hope you guys can join me there. Like I said, we'll be revealing the new website at that point, so looking forward to that as well. But before we reveal the website, head on over and check out all my friends. The Generational Gap, The Daily Ignoramus, The Breakdown with Birkenhoff, The R-Rated Conservative, and The Freckles and Brit Show. Hope you guys come and join us over there. Bookmark the upcoming page and get ready to pick up some of our swag and help us support great creators. Alright, before we got, uh, get started, I found this meme yesterday. This came to me via B. Gerino, that's BJ over on Twitter, who quote-tweeted this. I didn't use her quote-tweet, unfortunately, but uh, The Living Tribunal tweeted out, Dear Joe, I checked my account. It's still not there. I'm not mad, that mad, though. I just don't like being lied to. Thought you guys would enjoy a little bit of humor here before we came in and started up for the day here. So let's keep going into that now. Looking in at the stocks for the day here, the Dow went down fairly Fairly significantly yesterday, given the fact that we're not really seeing these big wild swings. So 0.39% after hitting a record every single day is actually a pretty significant drop. 127 points, so we'll talk a bit about what happened there. And that's after it came back and recovered. It was down much further than that throughout the day. So a couple things that are happening on in the monetary fiscal policy and a couple things that could hinder the growth of the Dow and possibly the other markets as well. We'll talk a bit about that. 
looking in at Bitcoin. Bitcoin is now at 54,699 US dollars and 50 US cents, which means that's also retreating, possibly on the talks that some various other countries in the world might make it illegal. And as much as they've backed off of it now, Janet Yellen was also talking about making it illegal here. So something to watch there as we move along and look at what the finance is going to do from there. Gas today. Looking in at the Madison gas prices for the day. That uh, 245 that we kept seeing consistently at the Costco up in um, Sun Prairie, that's gone. That Costco is, okay, um, the Middleton one is listed here as a Sun Prairie one. The Sun Prairie one is not listed in the top gas prices of the day. So looking in at Woodman's in Madison, Wisconsin is at 253. The 245s are gone and we're creeping up to 255 is the majority and the average in Madison, of course. Where I live, it's uh, considerably more, but I'm not going to tell you guys where I live because it's a small town. Sorry about that. Hope to see you at some point, though. Let's keep going. From IBD, talking about what happened on the markets yesterday and what could happen today. Dow Futures. Steady, tech futures tumble as treasury yields pop before Fed meeting. Plug power dives on accounting. From Ed Carson. Dow Jones futures edged higher early Wednesday, while S&P 500 futures, and especially NASDAQ futures, fell as treasury yields hit 13-month highs ahead of this afternoon's Fed meeting announcement. The stock market rally finished narrowly, mixed Tuesday, with the NASDAQ closed well off intraday highs. Plug power and CrowdStrike stock headlined key overnight movers. CrowdStrike, Coupa Software, Smartsheet, and Lenmar headlined earnings late Tuesday with Chinese e-commerce giant Pinduoduo reporting early Wednesday plug power stock plunged on accounting issues. Microsoft stock, MKS Instruments, Applied Materials, and Apple, iPhone, Chipmakers, Corvo, Skywork Solutions, all flashed buy points at least intraday. Chip equipment maker MKS Instruments broke out past a buy point. Tuesday, chip gear giant AMAT stock flashed an early entry, along with wireless chip makers Quorvo and Skywork Solutions. I'm guessing people are going out and buying new phones, because that seems to be where the market is headed right now. Microsoft rose, flashing additional buy signals. Google parent Alphabet also climbed slightly and is potentially actionable. Apple stock and Facebook rose but may need more repair time. Amazon closed near lows, stuck around its 200-day line. Tesla hit resistance and retreated, still, excuse me, still well below its 50-day line. All of these stocks... Wow, I've got the hiccups this morning. All these stocks came off highs with some closing near session lows as the NASDAQ lost steam. After the close, Plug Power said it would have to restate 2018 and 2019 financial statements, as well as quarterly statements for 2019 and 2020. The fuel cell company cited accounting errors related to non-cash items, including some costs, but said there was no misconduct. Plug stock plunged 16% in free market trading. Shares sank 8.1% on Tuesday, hitting resistance at its 21-day line. CrowdStrike earnings and revenue were better than expected, while the cybersecurity leader also guided higher. CrowdStrike gained 3% early Wednesday. Shares hit resistance in the 21-day line Tuesday and reversed lower for a 2.1% loss. Coupa earnings and sales also topped views. Coop stock edged lower in pre-market trade after rising late Tuesday. Shares fell 3.5% on Tuesday. Smartsheet earnings and revenue beat forecasts. SMAR stock 
Advanced slightly before the open, shares rose 1.4% on Tuesday to 68.71, backing off key levels intraday. Pin Duo Duo reported smaller than expected loss, while revenue surged 163%, far above estimates. PDD stock lost 5% early Wednesday, rising 1.1% to 160.89 on Tuesday. So that's what we see from the Chinese market. CrowdStrike stock, Coupa, and Smartsheet, along with Pin Duo Duo, are former leaders that sold off sharply in the recent tech sell-off. They all closed below their 50-day moving averages, with Coop stock below its 200-day line. Lennar earnings also exceeded analyst estimates. LEN stock edged lower in pre-market trade. Shares fell 1.5% to 8871 Lennar stock is several weeks to consolidation next to a prior base. A move above last week's high of 92.85, the top of a quasi-handle, could offer an early entry. Google and Microsoft are on the IBD leaderboard. AMAT stock and Google are on Swing Trader and Big Cap 20. Microsoft stock is an IBD long-term leader. Google, SWKS, and Tesla are on the IBD 50. MKSI was Tuesday's IBD stock of the day. On the Fed, the Federal Reserve will end its two-day policy meeting Wednesday with an announcement at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Investors will be looking for clarity from the central bank and Fed Chief Jerome Powell regarding inflation and rising treasury yields, which have hit growth stocks. Will the Fed enact or signal a move towards reviving Operation Twist to drive down long-term treasury yields? While the Fed has said it's far away from even curbing bond buys, will policymakers signal optimism about the economic outlook? Worrying traders. We don't know, but they're just going to sit back and manipulate the currency and see if they can pull us back out of this recession. And do it by printing, apparently. On the futures. Dow Jones futures rose less than 0.1% versus fair value. S&P 500 futures fell 0.4%, while NASDAQ 100 futures retreated 1.25%. The 10-year Treasury yield rose several basis points to 167 at 13-month highs. Remember, overnight action in Dow futures and elsewhere doesn't necessarily translate into actual trading in the next regular stock market session. So, we're seeing a lot of things going on here, and a lot of this is tied to market and currency manipulation. So, I don't know where this goes, and we may see another down day because of this, because nobody has any idea. And remember... The greatest enemy of market performance is uncertainty. Even if the news is bad, the investors want to know exactly what's going on. So when they have no idea, then you start to see your stocks drop. And when they know exactly, that's when you start to see them go up. All right, let's see what CNBC has to say about this on the tumble. Dow retreats from record, falls nearly 130 points ahead of Fed rate guidance from Jesse Pound and Pippa Stevens. The Dow fell from its record high and snapped a seven-day winning streak on Tuesday, ahead of the Federal Reserve's upcoming policy announcement. The Dow Jones Industrial Average fell about 129 points, or 0.4%, to 32,825.95. The S&P 500 slipped 0.2% after setting a record high intraday and finished at 39,62.71 while the tech-heavy Nasdaq composite clung to a gain of about 0.1% to close at 13,471.57. But they were heading down. If the stock market was uh, open an hour longer, they'd have probably fallen out too.
The S&P 500 and Dow are still close to record highs, but there's growing concern among investors that in, uh, interest rates may continue to climb, stuffing out the comeback for equities. The market fell to its session lows when the benchmark 10-year Treasury yield briefly rose above 1.62% in the afternoon trading. Traders will get more guidance from the Federal Reserve on rates and inflation. On Wednesday, the central bank kicks off its two-day meeting on Tuesday, followed by a statement and briefing from Chairman Jerome Powell on the following day. So, even CNBC is coming out and saying, it's the Fed. It's the Fed. And as our friend Ron Helton likes to remind us, end the Fed. So that's what we're seeing from that here. Let's get into the news of the day. Starting with, we've got some bad news to start with for the day. If I can scroll back to the top here. From KIRO7. Uh, does not give me a location where this comes out of. <clears throat> but I'm guessing it's Georgia. Eight dead after shootings at three Atlanta-area spas, suspect caught, linked to all three incidents. From Bob D'Angelo, Cox Media Group, National Content Desk. At least eight people were killed Tuesday after shootings at three spas in the Atlanta area, authorities said. Four people were fatally shot at two spas in northeast Atlanta, and four people were killed at a Cherokee County spa, WSB-TV reported. Update, 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Captain Jay Baker, a spokesperson for the Cherokee County Sheriff's Office, said authorities believe Robert Aaron Long, 21, of Woodstock, Georgia, is the suspect in all three shootings, the Associated Press reporting. Update, 8.52 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, March 16th, Robert Aaron Long, 21, of Woodstock, the suspected gunman in the Cherokee County Massage Parlor shooting, was caught following a chase in Crisp County. WSB reported Crisp County is located about 170 miles uh, south of Ackworth. Officials in Cherokee County have updated the death toll to four, bringing the overall total from all three shootings to eight. Two of the victims were dead and three were transported to the hospital where two of them also died. Cherokee County Sheriff's Office spokesperson uh, Captain Jay Baker told reporters. So this is kind of working backwards here as we see. Uh, the original report says at a news conference, Atlanta Police Chief Rodney Bryant confirmed that the four victims in the Northeast Atlanta spas were women and appeared to be Asian. It appears that they were Asian, Bryant told reporters. Bryant also told reporters that the police originally responded to a robbery call at the Gold Massage Spa. While at this location, we received another call across the street that had shots fired, Bryant said, responded to that to find another individual was shot at that location. Bryant confirmed that three people were killed at the Gold Spa. The fourth person was killed across the street at the Aromatherapy Spa in the 1900 block of Piedmont Road, WSB reported. I've had conversations with Cherokee County, Bryant said at the news conference. It's too early for us to make that connection with the shootings in Ackworth. About an hour earlier Tuesday, three people were killed at a spa in Ackworth. Officials said deputies were called to Young's Asian Massage rather, near Ackworth, Georgia. Cherokee County Sheriff spokesperson Howard J. Baker told CNN. Officials in Cherokee County were searching for a sus uh, suspect in a black SUV. WSB reported there's no confirmation that the shootings are related, the television station reported. <clears throat> but at, right, uh, at this point, it does appear that they are. So, a little bit of a rundown of what happened with this here. So, it appears that a man, allegedly that's, uh, this man, innocent until proven guilty, but it seems that they're pretty certain of the fact that they've got the guilt on this one. 
we'll see what a jury of his peers has to say, went off and started shooting day spas of various sorts. Now, of course, this uh, news story came to national prominence because they were Asian, and there's just this been this absolute slew of violence against Asian Americans in the wake of President Trump being the evil orange, and orange and evil man that he is, because that's what they have to tie to this. And there's a possibility, it looks like right now, he's been going specifically after spas. I don't know if all of the victims are Asian or not, but I know that at least half of them are, according to this report. So it is possible that he targeted this, but there is not enough information to come back and figure out what happened with this. I'm open to the idea that he was going on an anti-Asian tirade. Whether it's because Trump said something, whether it's because some Asian girl went off and dumped him somewhere or something, I don't know. I don't know if these spas are connected, and there is not enough information for this guy to get tried in the court of social media over on Twitter. But I'm sure, especially given the fact that this has come to national prominence and we are pushing a massive gun control agenda right now, we are going to be seeing a lot more of this. We're going to be hearing a lot more of motive, and this is not going to be one that goes away. I know every town's already been on this one. They're already ready to go and ready to come out and cite the 230 mass shootings that have happened this year, with only this one being the example, of course. But I've already read reports from them that said that, I mean, look at all these mass shootings, and this is the only one that gains some sort of prominence. So we will definitely be watching this one, following along, and seeing what happens with this one specifically, because I'm sure it's not going away. Well, let me rephrase that. If it turns out that it doesn't fit the agenda, the gun control agenda that the left is trying to push right now, this probably actually will go away, but we will definitely see. All right, let's get into some more news of the day. From the Hill, Biden says Putin will pay a price for 2020 election meddling. From Morgan Shalfant. President Biden said in an interview that aired Wednesday that Russian President Vladimir Putin will pay a price for directing an influence operation targeting the 2020 election with the aim of undermining Biden's candidacy. And the entire administrative board of Raytheon immediately got a fucking boner as soon as he said that. Yes, we're going to sell weapons. We're going to sell weapons. <clears throat> He'll pay a price. Biden told ABC News' George Stephanopoulos, We had a long talk, he and I. I know him relatively well. And the conversation started off. And I said, I know you, and you know me. If I establish this occurred, then, then be... Hey, what's my line? Oh, then be prepared. Biden appeared to reference a phone call that he had with Putin in January, during which he pressed the Russian leader on 2020 election interference the poisoning of opposition leader Alexei Navalny, and other matters about which the Biden administration has raised concerns. Biden also told Stephanopoulos that he believes Putin to be a killer. How diplomatic of him. His comments came in the same day that the Office of Director of National Intelligence released an unclassified assessment of foreign influence operations targeting U.S. elections. The report said that both Russia and Iran waged campaigns to influence the election, but affirmed there was no evidence that foreign actors attempted to change votes. No shit, you know, as well as I do, of course. They changed the entire course of the election with $100 worth of Facebook ads. 
I thought that was common knowledge. With it. All it takes to steal an election right now is $100. Wait, no, there was no... This was the safest and most secure election in history, and nothing bad happened. Honk. But if theoretically you did want to steal an election somewhere, somewhere else in the world other than the U.S., and in some year other than 2020, if theoretically you did, then of course everybody knows that $100 worth of Facebook ads would be what changed the election. It wouldn't be what the... Uh, it wouldn't be what the candidate said. It wouldn't be the debate performances. It wouldn't be anything else. It would just be $100 worth of Facebook ads. That's always what changes the elections here. I don't know why that just scrolled me back to the top. That was weird. The report said both Russia and Iran waged the... It also said China considered an election influence operation, but did not do so. We says... Is that... Is that Biden? That's not Biden. The report. We assess that Russian President Putin authorized and a range of Russian government organizations conducted influence operations aimed at denigrating President Biden's candidacy and the Democratic Party, supporting former President Trump, undermining public confidence in the electoral process, and exacerbating socio-political divisions in the U.S., the report said. Well, I hate to say this, but Biden kind of undermined his own candidacy when he said, I got hairy legs! I turned blonde in the sun! And the little kids in the pool, they like to jump up and rub down the, the hair on my legs and watch it pop back up. And them kids, they like to jump up in my lap. And that was that was the summer I learned about roaches. I think that did more to undermine Biden's presidency than Russia did. Russian efforts involved in the use of individuals tied to Russian intelligence who pushed influence narratives to people close to Trump, as well as American media organizations and the U.S. officials. So, long story short, Biden's shaking a gun. A man with dementia who has the nuclear football is shaking a gun at Russia right now. And, uh, yeah. That doesn't make you feel all warm and fuzzy and safe inside. I don't know what will. All right, let's keep going here. I got one from The Blaze. DHS Secretary to Migrants Amid Border Crisis. Don't come now, come later. From Phil Shiver. Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas issued an urgent plea on Tuesday to the scores of migrants surging into the country across the U.S.-Mexico border. Don't come now, but wait a while and then come later. kind of undermines the whole asylum seeker thing here, doesn't it? Because, I mean, if they're actually seeking some sort of asylum or safety from their home countries, then we need to get them in and away from their home countries as quickly as possible if they're actually refugees seeking asylum. But as far as I can tell from this and the fact that he can come out and say this, no, they're just coming in looking for better wages. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Secretary's mixed message comes as unprecedented numbers of migrants continue to illegally enter the country in hopes of receiving more lenient treatment from the Biden administration. 
Mayorkas himself acknowledged earlier Tuesday that the U.S. government is on pace to encounter more individuals on the southwest border than we have in the last 20 years, although he still refused to characterize the situation as a crisis. We are building the capacity to address the needs of unaccompanied migrant children when they arrive, but we are also and critically sending an important message that now is not the time to come to the border, Mayorkas said Tuesday during an interview on ABC's Good Morning America. Give us time, he continued, to build an orderly, safe way to arrive in the U.S. and make the claims that law permits you make. The remarkable statement appeared to befuddle host George Stephanopoulos, who noted, You've been saying, don't come now, but that message does not appear to be getting through. Does the message have to be, don't come, period? Mayorkas responded by reiterating the message, though this time casting blame on the administration of former President Donald Trump, because, of course, they did. Do not come now, he said. Give us time to rebuild the system that was entirely dismantled by the previous administration. In characterizing the message as one humanitarian concern, Mayorkas told a story during the interview about three young children, each under the age of 10, who were permitted entry into the country but whose mother died along the way. The secretary pleaded with the potential migrants not to make the dangerous journey until a later time. But it's not only the journey itself that's dangerous, it's the lack of preparedness by the Biden administration to handle the rapid influx. Even as Mayorkas spoke, thousands of migrant children experienced the harsh conditions of being cooped up in cage-like cells, but don't worry, they're not kids in cages. Many having to take turns sleeping on the floor and go without showering for days. And that's what we see here. And it's, I think a lot of this is not necessarily a new influx of people coming from Central America. I just looking at the facts in front of me, seeing what happened in the last administration and now, I do think on this particular one, if the intended outcome is to get more people into the country so they can have a permanent slave class for Biden's big business buddies, which it does appear that that seems to be the plan that we have going on here, then a lot of these people are the people from previous caravans who were sitting in the wait in Mexico policy, who were just sitting in Mexico waiting. And then they can come to the U.S. So now they're coming and heading for the border. Now that Trump's not here and the wait in Mexico policy is essentially nullified at this point. So that's definitely a possible. That's probably a big reason that we're seeing the big massive influx right now because people sat in Mexico and they waited in Mexico per the... Uh, per the advisement of the Trump administration. And then they watched the news and they said, ASA, eh, it looks like Biden's president now. All right, to the border we go. And there they are on the border. And that's getting shut down on YouTube for being probably racist. But you know what? It's just an impression of an accent. Let's keep going here. I got another one from the Hill for you guys. DHS says migrant border crossings on pace to reach highest level in two decades. From Morgan Shelfont. The Department of Homeland Security. Go away, I'm not allowing ads on the Hill. The Department of Homeland Security said Tuesday that the number of attempted crossings at the U.S. southern border is expected to reach its highest level in two decades. The statement coincided with an effort by Biden administration officials to defend the White House's immigration policies and discourage migrants from attempting to cross into the U.S. amid a surge of immigrant children at the border. 
We are on pace to encounter more individuals on the southwest border than we have in the last 20 years, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas said on Tuesday. We are expelling most single adults and families. We are not expelling unaccompanied children. We are securing our border, executing the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Public Health Authority to safeguard the American public and the migrants themselves and protecting the children. We have more work to do, Mayorkas said. I'm sorry you have your reports coming out and saying that you're releasing COVID-positive patients back into the U.S. So I'm going to call bullshit on the CDC, Public Health Authority. Weird. Mallorca stressed that the situation is difficult and will take time to resolve, but he said the administration's ultimate goal is a safe, legal, and orderly immigration system that is based on our bedrock priorities to keep our border secure, address the plight of children as the law requires, and enable families to be together. Mayorkas also appeared on Good Morning America Tuesday and defended the administration's efforts to address the surge of migrants by recruiting new facilities to house them and working with state and local officials. We are also uncritically sending an important message that now is not the time to come to the border, Mayorkas said. Give us the time to rebuild the system that was entirely dismantled in the prior administration, and we have in fact begun to rebuild that system. And so it begins. All the woes of the current administration belong to the previous administration, and Trump was very guilty of this as well. He did a lot of this. He did not do near as much as his predecessor did. Oh, you know, oh, oh, I, I, I can't get more than 1% economic growth. As much as I as mu as much as I tax the upper what percent, I still I still can't get the growth. That 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 but that must be Bush's fault. That's that's all I can tell you. It must be Bush's fault. It it it's it's the Bush economy. Oh, oh it's twenty sixteen. It's been eight years since there's been a Bush in office. I I, I still can't get one percent economic growth. I I still can't get three percent. It's been eight years. It still must be Bush's fault, okay? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. Oh, look, look. Don, look at him. He's got all kinds of economic growth over there. That, that's my economy right there. So, we're going to see a lot of this, and like Trump did the same thing. But, yeah, it's, it's not our fault that we came out and said, yeah, we're going to open the border back up for you guys. Hey, why are all you guys coming all at once? But, well, we'll continue to watch this one here. But don't worry, they're not kids in cages. Alright, I've got a tweet here for you guys from the Hill as well. Um, President Biden was asked, do you have any plans to travel to the southern border? Let's have a listen. Not at the moment. Have you decided when you're able to share thoughts with other countries? Is it allies or neighbors first? Who will be the first country to get U.S. vaccines? I've been talking with several countries already. Well, I'll let you know that very shortly.
And there's Jen. Yeah, that guy's with it. I mean, especially if this is the crisis that everybody says that it is, then he actually probably should go down there and see what's going on to see if he can author, offer some kind of leadership. You know, there's that word that everybody likes to bring out and guidance as to what they should do. But my guess is, given the fact that that Corn Pop is a bad dude, he, uh, he doesn't have shit. And he's a figurehead at this point, so we'll see more coming up from the uh, from the Biden administration, probably coming up in the next week, and even more. This is going to be a fun administration to follow. All right, I got one here from Yahoo News for you guys. FBI facing allegation that its 2018 background check of Brett Kavanaugh was fake. Because we need to do this now, too. From Stephanie Kirchgeisner in Washington. The FBI is facing new scrutiny for its 2018 background check of Brett Kavanaugh, the Supreme Court Justice, after a lawmaker suggested that the investigation may have been fake. Sheldon Whitehouse, because why would it be anybody other than Sheldon Whitehouse, a Democratic senator and former prosecutor who serves on the Judiciary Committee, is calling on the newly confirmed Attorney General Merrick Garland, because of course, why wouldn't it be Merrick Garland, to help facilitate a proper oversight by the Senate into questions about how thoroughly the FBI investigated Kavanaugh during his confirmation hearing. Well, you're going to have to go back a lot longer than that to go and figure out whether or not the FBI has thoroughly vetted somebody or not. Because remember, this guy has been a federal judge. Wasn't he appointed to the federal bench under Clinton? If not Clinton, at least Bush, but I'm pretty sure he went up under Clinton. But this is all just fucking mudslinging at this point. They're just coming out and saying, Oh, look, see? The, the orange man got one of his buddies in because he wanted to try and win the election. And did, did. You're going to start hearing a lot of this, too. I bet you Coney Barrett comes up under scrutiny for this, too. <clears throat> the Supreme Court was accused... I'm sorry, the Supreme Court Justice was accused of sexual assault by Christine Blasey Ford and faced up, uh, several other allegations of misconduct following Ford's harrowing testimony of alleged assault when she and Kavanaugh were in high school. Kavanaugh denies the claims, and Blasey Ford has not been able to bring forward any sort of corroborating evidence about what could have happened with that. The FBI was called to investigate the allegations during the Senate confirmation process, but was later accused by some Democratic senators of conducting an incomplete background check. For example, two key witnesses, Ford and Kavanaugh, were never interviewed as part of the inquiry. Among the concerns listed in White House's letter to Garland are allegations that some witnesses who wanted to share their accounts with the FBI could not find anyone at the Bureau who would accept their testimony and that it had not assigned any individual to accept or gather evidence. This was unique behavior in my experience. The Bureau is usually amenable to information and evidence, but in this matter, the shutters were closed and the drawbridge was drawn up, and there was no point of entry by which members of the public or Congress could provide information to the FBI, White House said. He added that once the FBI decided to create a tip line, senators were not given any information on how or whether new allegations were processed and evaluated. So it begins. Now they're going to try and 
kick everybody back out of here. Because they know that without the filibuster, or with the filibuster, and we'll talk a little bit about that later on in the program. But with the filibuster in place, then they can't just go on and start packing the court as much as they want to. And it does not look right now like the filibuster is going anywhere, as hard as they're fucking trying. As hard as they are trying to get rid of the filibuster, it doesn't look like it's going anywhere, at least during this uh, particular Senate. So with that, they can't run up, they can't go pack the court, they can't come up and say, oh, we're just going to put a thousand justices on there and make sure that we have rule over the Supreme Court forever and ever and ever. Thousand and one, because it's got to be an odd number. So in spite of doing that, now they're going to try and bump the Trump nominees out of there. I bet you they go after Gar uh, not Garland, Gorsuch. I bet you they go after him next. And like I said, I bet you they go after Coney Barrett again too, because, oh, hey, look, suddenly we have a Democrat slight majority in the Senate. Oh, we can go put our own people up here. Oh, look, we can impeach this guy, put our own person up there. So watch for this coming and happening here. I would bet you anything that this winds up going onto an impeachment if something does get taken up off of this one. All right. Speaking of the filibuster from Axios. McConnell warns of GOP retribution if Democrats eliminate the filibuster from Ursula Pirano. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell again warned Democrats on Tuesday that eliminating the legislative filibuster would break the Senate and turn the chamber into a hundred-car pileup where chaos reigns. Democrats are under increasing pressure from progressives to set aside the filibuster for issues of exceptional importance, such as voting rights legislation that would counter the wave of voting restrictions being passed by Republicans at the state level and would die at the Supreme Court. But moderate Senators Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema have said they oppose abolishing the measure, as has President Biden. Senator Dick Durbin, the number two Democrat in the Senate, said on Monday that the filibuster is making mockery of American democracy and is holding the chamber hostage. Durbin expressed the opposition to abolishing the filibuster in 2018 when Republicans held the majority, stating that it would be the end of the Senate. And that is the point that I want to make with this right now. So... They're looking at this, and they're trying to get the filibuster eliminated, because anything that comes back out of the House right now, they can just, if they get rid of the filibuster, fast-track that shit right through the Senate. Oh, look, hey, 50 votes, oh, done, it's gone. And that line right there, this one right here, tells me everything that you know need to know about this, because McConnell had every opportunity to end the filibuster. In 2016, when they had both chambers, and then in 2018, when he had just the Senate. They had every opportunity. He did restrict it to just Supreme Court justices, which I am against, by the way. As well as continuing on with what Harry Reid did by restricting the filibuster on federal judges, which I'm also against. I am against both of those. For the same reason, I'm against this, ending the filibuster right now. If you need to cram your shitty majority down your opponent's throats by a simple one-vote tie-breaking Kamala Harris vote, then your agenda sucks and it needs to never see the light of fucking day. If you need... The reason of the filibuster, and people keep pointing out, oh, well, show me where it is in the Constitution that the filibuster has to exist. Oh, ha, 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 I owned you. It's not in there. No, it's not. It's in the Senate rules for a reason. 
because it does give a veto to the minority party. And the way that I liken it to it is this, and I kind of put the, hinted towards this in the title of this video. With the filibuster in place, you can't just cram down an authoritarian, tyrannical agenda. And right there, first and foremost, switch the parties. If Cocaine Mitch was trying to do this right now, and we see this from Durbin in this particular article, if Cocaine Mitch was trying to end the filibuster, they'd be yelling tyranny as loud as they could on every mainstream news outlet, especially with a Republican president or Republican House. Every mainstream outlet would say, well, this is tyranny. This is just absolute tyranny. This is horrible. The authoritarian Republicans just want to take over the country. But now the Democrats want to do it. It is an important key mockery of the democratic process, and we need to be able to get our agenda through. Always switch the parties. But furthermore, onto this, the filibuster is in place so that you actually have to sell the agenda that you have on. You either have to have enough of majority in the country. 30 states have to send senators. More than that, because some of them are going to be split. But you have to have at least 60 senators. You have to have representation of well over half the states. Or you have to sell your ideas to people who might be opposed to your party specifically. You have to come in and actually put some put some effort into this bill and say, okay, well, this is how... It, can't you see how good this is? Look at this. Uh, well, or on the other hand, they'll throw some pork in there to try and get... Either way, it makes, them, it, makes it so they have to make an effort to this. That they can't just come out and say, boom, voting rights are at the federal level. Boom, D.C. is a state. Boom, let's figure this out. There is a reason that it's there, even if it's not in the Constitution. And furthermore, the people who are driving this forward right now, who, like I said, two years ago, four years ago, would have been screaming tyranny if the opposite party had tried to put the same thing up, have an authoritarian agenda that they want to cram down your throats by any means fucking necessary. And there is a stopgap in there to keep them from just cramming it down there. And really honestly, and I say this completely defensively, with the authoritarian agenda that Democrats are putting up right now, the filibuster in place is kind of protecting them too because uh, right now every, the whole world knows what they're trying to push through. And really completely honestly, I know the coastal elites and the college kids and all every state are going to come out and say, we need this now, we need this now. But in reality, especially with the voting rights bill that they're trying to push through and cram through and cram down your fucking throat that's never going to pass the Supreme Court, you're sitting in a situation right now where you have to make a decision as to whether or not you're going to be punished at the ballot box or at the end of a fucking rifle, defensively, of course. And that's all I have to say to Congress right now. Make your decision. Do you want to be punished by voters? Or by full metal jackets? Because in 2018, or 2022 rather, one of the two is going to happen. I promise you that. Alright, but that's what we have going on from that. 
Uh, let's read one here. Archived. Once it catches back up. From the Daily Journal. Jeff Van Drew, says South Jersey columnist, made threats against him and his family. From Joseph P. Smith. I heard this on the unhinged liberal of the day yesterday morning driving to work on the Dan O'Donnell show. A local terrestrial radio show. U.S. Representative Jeff Van Drew on Monday accused a South Jersey newspaper columnist of having a death threat on his home phone, and Ocean City Police have visited the writer about the complaint. Van Drew disclosed the threat at a news conference outside the courthouse on Main Street, flanked by Cape May County Sheriff Bob Nolan, and identified the columnist as John McCall of Ocean City Sentinel. McCall is not and never has been either a staff member or paid contributor, the newspaper's editor and publisher stated in an email later on Monday. According to a transcript of the voicemail provided to reporters at the news conference, McCall reportedly called the congressman a traitor and vowed to see Van Drew out of office. Wojcicki, this is a quote. This is not me making a threat. I feel I need to come out and say this at the beginning here because this is the part that will get clipped and get a YouTube channel shut down. This is a quote. To quote, I would swear to your demise as a politician, and I believe that you personally are degenerate, the transcript read. As a member of the New Jersey Press Association, I will do everything in my power to ensure that you are deposed of, if not dead. Anything I can do to basically get you out of office, I will do. You are a traitor, Jeff Andrew, and you deserve the fate of all traitors. On Monday afternoon, David Nahan, editor and publisher of The Sentinel, issued a statement by email clarifying that McCall is a local resident and freelance journalist who periodically submits guest columns and letters to the editor. McCall is not a staff reporter or paid contributor, but wrote a guest column for the publication, he said. The New Jersey Press Association denies McCall is or ever was a member. President Paul D'Ambrosia said the association is a non-profit corporation in, I'm sorry, incorporated in 1857. Under New Jersey law, its membership comprises daily newspapers, weekly newspapers, affiliate newspapers, digital news websites, as well as corporate and non-profit associate members, he said. NJPA understands that John McCall asserted he is a member of NJPA. D'Ambrosia said John McCall is not and never has been a member of NJPA, as the association does not have individual journalist members. Well, a lot of that seems more like cover-your-ass kind of stuff here because they know that this dude came out and said this. It's right on the... I mean, this is an archive version, so I'm not going to have access to the audio if it's in the article but uh i've heard the audio and yeah he was very adamant about the fact that he was going to kill the dude i'm uh, pretty sure that i am about to lose connection here no i'm not it's still going so that's what we are that's that's incredible the fact that just because this dude changed his party now he's getting the death threats like this. So, and Joe Manchin is probably looking down the same thing right now, which that is actually something that's a little bit funny to me. The fact that they keep hammering on Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, who by national standards are fairly close to the Republican line anyway. 
it would be like nothing for them to switch parties in in West Virginia and Arizona. I'm sure that they would be welcomed with open arms if they switched parties. And then Cocaine Mitch would get up off his desk. I'm the leader again! So... I mean, Van Drew himself already did it, so it's not like this is unprecedented. But we'll see what happens there. And after making that cocaine rage noise, now it's time for me to do what seems to be a fan favorite of the show. So we are going to read from NPR. Trump encourages his supporters to get the COVID-19 vaccine within limits of freedoms. And by freedom, we mean what is yours is ours. Because this is National Progressive Radio, transmitting communist thoughts in very dulcet and quiet tones. Please give them your money, because the money that they get in taxes does not support them enough. And they are supported in part by viewers like you. This is from Alana Wise. Former President Trump on Tuesday recommended that all eligible Americans get the coronavirus vaccine when their opportunity comes, though he added a caveat that he also respects people's decisions to not get one. Trump had faced growing calls to encourage his supporters, especially Republican men, who will voice cynicism about the vaccine to get vaccinated. I would recommend it, okay? I would recommend it to a lot of people, the greatest people who don't want to get it, and a lot of people who voted for me, frankly, you know, again, we have our freedoms. And we have to live by that, and I agree with that also, Trump said during an interview on Fox News on Tuesday. But it's a great vaccine. It's the best vaccine. It's the most wonderful vaccine. Okay, the vaccine came from Operation Warp Speed. That's mine. That's me. Remember, you wouldn't be getting this for five more years, if at all, if it wasn't for me, your favorite president. It's a safe vaccine, okay, and it's something that works. Republicans and supporters of the former president are the least likely to seek a vaccine for the coronavirus, an NPR-PBS NewsHour Marist survey revealed last week. Almost half of Republican men, 47% of Trump supporters, and 41% of Republicans overall said they would not get the vaccine if one is made available to them. Only 30% of adults overall said they would uh, not get one. I'm not getting one. But hey, you guys, Trump said to get it. Are you guys going to go out and get the vaccine now? Trump said to go get it, so it's got to be okay, right? Trump's endorsement of the vaccine came as many of his supporters have embraced baseless and dangerous conspiracies about the coronavirus, some of which the president encouraged. I I don't even know what to say with this because, once again, this is... I. I'm not a big fan of Operation Warp Speed either because this was largely untested and you guys are the guinea pigs right now. I would be willing to wait a year, maybe two, to see what the massive effects are on something like this, but the fact that they're trying to get this all done within a few months, no. No, I'm not going to be doing any of that. Alright, I got one here from Fox News. Give this a second to reload here. Chicago Teachers Union tells members not to reveal if they've received the COVID vaccine. I don't know why everything reloaded. From Luz Cassiano. Give that a second because it's going to autoplay against us.
need Jeopardy music for this. Come on. Dr. Marks. Go away. There we go. Tracking how many Chicago public school teachers have been vaccinated against COVID-19 has been a challenge in part because the teachers union asking members not to inform district officials according to media reports. And once again, the union's trying to come out and say, no, no, we want to stay closed down forever. We want to continue to do Zoom calls and Zoom classes forever. So don't you dare go tell your boss that you got vaccinated because if you do, you might have to go back into the classroom. Ooh, scary. The school district and the Chicago Teachers Union have been involved in a public battle over whether to resume in-person instruction after months of virtual learning. The dispute centers on what the union has deemed inadequate safety protocols. The district opened its doors this month to tens of thousands of students from kindergarten through eighth grade. The move came after weeks of tense negotiations between the district and the union leaders. The district has set up four vaccination sites. As of Sunday, it said it offered or scheduled 14,000 vaccination appointments, with just over 5,600 vaccinations confirmed. And this is also on the heels, as uh, Kurt pointed out last night, uh, or yeah, last night on Twitter, over what we talked about on the Red Net show two nights ago, on the heels of the fact that the LA Teachers Union is telling people, well, if you go to Cabo or Mexico or whatever for your spring break, then don't post your pictures because we're going to try and keep you out of the classroom as long as we can. And it's going to make it hard to make that argument if you post those pictures that you went out of the country and did body shots off of some male model. However, district officials are having issues tracking how many staffers received vaccines, WBBM-TV uh, reported. It can't tell how many have received treatments at non-CPS sites. We don't have the best information, said CTU President Jesse Sharkey. Collecting the best data available is made harder, he said, but the uh, teachers union asking its members to wait to respond to a CPS vaccination survey. I don't have a problem with people answering this kind of survey, said Sharkey. I do have a problem with CPS not bargaining with us. Messages to the district and teachers union were not immediately returned. So, yeah, they're trying to, as hard as they can, which that could actually run counter to the agenda that they're trying to do because the more these kids are sitting at home, the more the parents are looking over their shoulders at the homework and saying, why the fuck am I sending my kids to school here? Why am I sending them to school to teach them how to be fucking woke and do Common Core math, which sucks. I have looked at Common Core math. And it is, I, I can't even believe that they're trying to teach this way. It makes absolutely no sense. I looked at the same equations. I looked at the exact same equations wrote down wrote down what it is that they wanted me to do figured it out the old-fashioned way and then looked at the common core and like what the fuck what are you trying to do here and the more the parents look over the shoulders at uh, all this shit the more they're gonna start pulling their kids out of school which they fucking need to do All right, let's keep going here. From NBC Chicago. Teachers Union says there's no agreement with CPS on high school return for in-person learning. Probably spend a brief little bit of time on this because a lot of this is going to be the same as what was in the Fox News article. 
Chicago's Teachers Union issued a statement Tuesday evening in response to an email to high school families saying that no agreement has been reached on return to in-person learning. Let me be clear, we have no agreement on returning to in-person learning in high schools or any date, nor will there be any agreement until we know how our school buildings can reopen safely, CTU said in a statement. The union said the high school students should be actively part of discussions on when should be a safe time to return to the classrooms amid the coronavirus pandemic. And yeah, especially given the fact that they're telling uh, teachers not to say whether or not they've been vaccinated, this is going to be a money grab, I promise. That's what they're going to do. They're going to hold the city hostage for more money. It's not going to be about the ventilators. It's not going to be about the safety equipment. It is going to be more money from the taxpayers, driving more taxes up in Chicago. <clears throat> Excuse me. In the same statement, CTU said the district is not providing data on coronavirus efforts, such as how many vaccines have been offered to educators and how many students have returned to elementary schools. CPS announced Tuesday that the high school students and faculty across the city can return for in-person learning next month as teachers continue to receive COVID-19 vaccinations. On April 19th, the first day of CPS's fourth quarter, those in 9th through 12th grade can return for classroom instruction, though teaching models will vary with each school, officials announced. So it looks like April 19th is the day. That's two days after, by the way, the big charity stream that we'll be doing here. Hope you guys can join me for that. But... The union is fighting tooth and nail to make sure that it doesn't happen anyway. All right, well, let's do another one here from NPR for you guys. Moderna gives first vaccine shots to young kids as part of COVID-19 study. From Bill Chappelle. Remember, we do need to transmit our communist ideas, so give us that money. It's not your money. It's our money, comrade. Children have now received their first doses of Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine as the company studies the safety and effectiveness of the vaccine for kids ages 6 months to less than 12 years old. <clears throat> In the study, researchers will be given two injections 28 days apart of either the Moderna vaccine or a saline placebo to children. Kids who get the vaccine will receive one of three possible doses from 25 micrograms to 100 micrograms, the same dose that received an emergency authorization for use in adults from the FDA. Moderna plans to enroll roughly uh, 6,750 6, children in the U.S. and Canada for the study, which is taking place at sites in at least eight states from Arizona and California to South Carolina and Texas. <clears throat> Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine is currently authorized only for people 18 and older, and after kids who are in the study receive shots, researchers will be watching for any signs that they have difficulty tolerating the vaccine, as well as its effectiveness in protecting them against SARS-CoV-2, the virus that caused COVID-19, and as much difficulty as I've seen in adults, I'm a little bit wary of this. Now, like, we'll say from 13 to 17. I actually think they'll have the best chance of going through this without any sort of reaction to this because they've got the healthiest immune systems. As far as like the six months old to 12, dude, your immune system is still developing in most cases at that point. Yes, it's there, but you're vulnerable. You haven't been exposed to as, uh, as many germs at this point. <clears throat> 
especially if you're giving 100 micrograms of this, the, the max dose. That just seems like a bad idea at this point. But, hey, I guess the medical officials know best, so... Who am I, a guy who just sits here and wonders why they were able to jam this one through so fast, and all other vaccinations take 5 to 10 years to get through? Who am I to question this? I'm just a guy with a microphone. All right, I got one here from The Blaze. Talking a little bit about what we talked about yesterday and Ron Helton pointing out, of course, the fact that uh, this was a tremendous waste of money. Well, some other people are getting pissed about this as well. Guam's Democratic delegate rebuked for dragging National Guard soldiers to GOP lawmakers' office to make a political point. From Chris Enlow. Guam's congressional delegate, Michael San Nicholas, sparked backlash Monday after using the National Guard soldiers to make light of a recent blunder by uh, Georgia Rep. Marjorie Taylor Greene. While speaking at the Conservative Political Action Conference last month, Greene referred to Guam as a foreign land. I'm a regular person, and I wanted to take my regular person, normal everyday American values, which is, we love our country, we believe our hard-earned tax dollars should go for America, not for what? China, Russia, the Middle East, Guam, whatever, wherever, she said, Business Insider reported. However, Guam has been a U.S. territory since 1899, following the signing of the Treaty of Paris, which ended the Spanish-American War. The people of Guam are full U.S. citizens and pay federal taxes, but don't get representation. I don't understand that either, but, you know, it is what it is. Though they are excluded from paying federal income tax. Guam also has one non-voting congressional delegate, which is currently San Nicolas. And we saw the video yesterday. Let's uh, watch a little bit more of this, just to remember. So that's what we have for that there. And, I mean, just this whole thing just reeks of intimidation. We saw this the full video yesterday, of course. Unfortunately for San Nicholas, Green was not present in her office at the time of his visit, which means this was a completely wasted camera political stunt. Last week, San Nicholas promised to visit Green and engage in cookie diplomacy to help the new congresswoman better learn about American territories. Congresswoman Green is a new member, and we will be paying a visit to her and delivering delicious Chamaro chip cookies as part of our out, uh, ongoing outreach to new members and introduce them to our wonderful island of Guam. San Nicholas told the Guam Daily Post, I mean, do you have to be an idiotic first-term uh, representative to get those cookies? Because, you know, I like cookies. I will lie and say I know nothing about Guam if you'll send me some cookies. Don't bring your soldier people, though, because that might end badly. That. Yeah, don't do that. That that might be a bad thing. But hey, if you want to bring cookies over, 
we'll sit and we'll talk about Guam. I'd love to learn about Guam. And like I said, I like cookies. <clears throat> Maybe we'll even give you an in-studio interview. I'll set up some new equipment for that because I don't have equipment for an in-studio interview, but hey, maybe we'll even do that at some point. What was the response? San Nicolas was criticized and accused of further politicizing the U.S. military. Politicization of the military became a hot-button issue last week after senior military leaders, along with rank-and-file soldiers, publicly bashed Fox News host Tucker Carlson, who voiced the controversial opinions about the new uniform accommodations being made for women serving in the military. I don't know if military should be chasing members of Congress. In general, a lot of weird things happening with the military lately, where if you switched who were president, we'd be getting some stern TV monologues about progressive journalist Zaid Jilani said, holy shit, a progressive that says the same thing that I do? Switch the parties and see what happened? That's a miracle. What uniformed military leader thought this use of their force as political props was a good idea? Retired Air Force Colonel Rob Manis reacted. What the hell is going on with our military? Who's in charge of these troops? And why are they being used as political props? I thought I'd never see this. Retired Colonel, uh, Lieutenant Colonel rather, Buzz Patterson said. And yeah, they absolutely are being used as political props at this point. But, And like I said when we watched the video, this reeks of intimidation too. And all of this, by the way... For a first-term representative from a rural district in Georgia who has no committee assignments. Alright. I wanted to show you guys this website. We won't spend a lot of time on this. But uh, this is StopTheRepublicanRecall.com because apparently 2 million signatures in California is all Republicans. That's all that it is. It's all Republicans trying to take out Gavin Newsom. Of course, I can't sign this because uh, my zip code will not come up as a California one. Although I'm sure that they would take it anyway. Who is behind the recall? A partisan Republican coalition of national Republicans, anti-vaxxers, QAnon conspiracy theories, and anti-immigrant Trump supporters. Where... Where's the, where are the QAnon supporters? Are, are, are they around the corner? Are, are they in the room with us? It's okay. You can feel safe with me. According to the Los Angeles Times, they include peddlers of the QAnon doomsday conspiracies, patriots readying for, readying for battle, and one organization allied with the far-right extremist group, the Proud Boys. Right. In California. Instead of helping fight the pandemic, these partisan forces are pulling a page from the Trump playbook and attacking Californians. Right, in California. Democrats and prominent progressives are united in opposition to the Republican recall. A grassroots movement of Californians stands with Gavin Newsom and is opposed to the Republican recall. Governor Newsom led the state through a global pandemic, record wildfires fueled by climate change, and two years with Trump in the White House has earned the trust of Californians. He is working every day against difficult odds to keep our families safe, distribute vaccines, protect families from eviction, and provide billions in direct relief to individuals struggling, or I'm sorry, and struggling small businesses. So, 
and of course, Senator Padilla, Senator Sanders, Warren, Senator Booker, and Stacey Abrams are all the people who are opposed to the recall. None of whom, by the way, are in California. <clears throat> the Republican recall. There it is. All right, let's keep going. I got one from ABC7. Speaking of California, two killed when massive fireworks cash sets off explosions fire at Ontario home. And this is Ontario, uh, Ontario, California, not Ontario, Canada, by the way. Because I have a friend in Ontario, Canada, and I asked her if she was anywhere near this before I realized that uh, it was Ontario, California. Which I don't even know where Ontario, California is. Two people were killed when a massive explosion involving fireworks ignited multiple structures and fires in an Ontario neighborhood Tuesday afternoon, prompting evacuations of the immediate area. The incident occurred shortly after 12.30 p.m. in the 400 block of West Francis Street, shattering nearby windows and setting a large plume of smoke into the air. Several blocks around the incident were evacuated and a temporary shelter was set up. Videos posted to social media showed flames and a thick plume of smoke rising from the home, and then a long series of fireworks shooting up in the air, sending nearby pedestrians running for cover. Neighbors described the hearing of a series of explosions that felt like small earthquakes. Steve Bailey, who lives nearby, said his whole house shook from the initial explosion. You know, I think back to when I lived in Kenosha. Um, at one point, I was on my way up to work at uh, the bus garage, and it was only a few blocks away from me that it happened, but... You know, at the time I slept on a waterbed, which probably absorbed most of the shock there. But uh, some people were stealing, I guess, copper fittings out of some of the abandoned homes on 30th Avenue. On 22nd Avenue, I'm sorry. The abandoned homes on 22nd Avenue, they were stealing the copper gas fittings out of there. And then there was, a, uh, there was an explosion when one of the houses blew up. It actually took out a gym completely. It was unsafe to use anymore. But they were talking, like, all the way across town. They could feel the... Uh, the shockwave of that, and me being only eight blocks away from it, actually didn't feel a goddamn thing asleep in my bed. I got to work, and people were asking me if I felt the explosion. I'm like, what explosion? I have no idea. And then I looked into it and found out that it was only like ten blocks away from my where I lived. So, <clears throat> yeah, it looks like this shook some uh, some various things off of this. Officials later put a crime scene tape around the house and covered two bodies at the scene. Confirming there were two fatalities in addition to some injuries, police said they were investigating the incident as a possible felony because of illegal fireworks. Yeah, in California, they don't do a lot of that. Y you don't do a lot of uh, fireworks and stuff over in California. That might be used for other terrible crap. Alright, so that's what we're seeing from that here. Authorities have released a new set of information coming off of this here from Fox 11 Los Angeles. Uh, looks like this is a video here, which my Instagram users are not going to be able to see because I can't transmit what's on my screen over to Instagram like I can on YouTube and uh, DLive. And it looks like that uh, might not load up either. Looks like that one's running a little bit slow, and it's 15 minutes, so we're going to skip that one for now. I got uh, one from Reuters here. <clears throat> Doing a little bit of foreign stuff. From Reuters. Soros, Phil and Thought Brick, uh, Philanthropic, that's the word there, group demands release of staff members held in Myanmar. 
from Reuters staff, the Open Society Foundations, a philanthropic organization founded by billionaire George Soros, called on Tuesday for the immediate release of a staff member, held in Myanmar and said allegations of financial misconduct were false. State media in Myanmar reported that authorities had detained an official from Open Society Myanmar and were looking for 11 other employees on suspicion. The group passed funds to opponents of a uh, February 1st coup. Yeah, we haven't heard a lot about that in a while, have we? Just initially when the coup happened, and then now we sit back and wonder if we're going to get drawn into another foreign theater at this point. The Open Society Foundations are deeply concerned by reports that an OSM, Open Society Myanmar, staff member, has been detained in Myanmar, Open Society Foundation said in an emailed statement. We call for her immediate release. We are alarmed by reports that authorities are seeking to interrogate other staff members. Opponents of military rule launched a civil disobedience, CDM, of strikes to protest the generals to reverse their coup or to free detained government leader Aung San Suu Kyi and recognize her party's November 8th election victory. Yeah, it's getting hairy over there. It definitely is. Um, as far as whether or not we will get drawn into the foreign theater for that, I don't know. I know that China's got an interest in this, and I know that we, well... President Biden's got some ties with China, too, so that's definitely a possibility. It's something we could watch for, something that could possibly happen with this, so something to watch for on that. Um, as far as right now, though, it doesn't appear that this is going into a hot war of any sort, so we will watch what happens with Myanmar, but uh, looks like, yeah, they've uh, they've appropriated some bank accounts, and that's that's the message I came into the Discord was they've appropriated some bank accounts, but now it also appears that they've appropriated some bank employees as well. So that's what we have here. All right. Uh, looks like Crowder's in the news here, and this will be the last thing we have here, and then we'll do something I'm thankful for here. On YouTube, Stephen Crowder and his co-hosts go on a wildly racist tirade against black farmers. Let's have a listen to this, and we'll read from Newsweek, and then we'll finish off the show. I don't know where you find this many farmers of color, uh, but they did. And $5.2 <laughs> are being allocated exclusively for colored farmers. Farmers of color! Farmers of color! Roll the tape! We begin today's show looking at a major provision in President Biden's $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill that aims to address decades of discrimination against black Hispanic, Native American, and Asian American farmers who've historically been excluded from government agricultural programs. The American Rescue mm. Plan sets aside $10.4 billion for agriculture support and allocates about half the funds to farmers of color who are, quote, subjected to racial or ethnic prejudice because of their identity what? as members of a group, unquote. The U.S. Commission on Civil Rights confirmed as long ago as 1965, the U.S. Department of Agriculture discriminated against black farmers, but little was done to address the problem. A hundred years ago? Yeah, uh, most happy about the new policy, these people. So, yeah. I'm going to oh. buy a plow, man. <laughs> I'm going to plant that corn. Go get a John Deere. Barack Obama, mother. I'm the president of plowing that ass. You. Yeah. I thought the last thing they would want to do was be farmers. Wasn't that a big problem yeah. for hundreds yeah. of years? Yeah. Isn't that why Arsenio yeah. Hall called himself the urban man's Johnny Carson? I think so. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Are people, are people lining up out in the middle of Cornfield, Iowa for new dunks? 
Uh, how would you prove <laughs> this, by the way? Like, how would you prove yeah. that you've been discriminated against? You don't against? have to. You just Well, I didn't say, get that loan. We? Sir, you had no credit. Well, that should not have stopped me from getting the loan. Uh, I planted a Hennessy tree, <laughs> but it's not growing. Well, I, well, technically, it did grow, but that shit ain't XO. Mm-mm. I put it on the ground. <laughs> I planted a VSOP XO tree. I'm getting in some niche esoteric cognac humor, motherfucker. <laughs> Don't um, white people just go to their neighborhoods and build urban farms and ruin their <laughs> yeah. Isn't that what, what <laughs> how it works? In Detroit. Like, yeah. Turns out the, uh, the, 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 the soil content is a high level of meth. Yeah. Crazy. Oh. Whoa. Wow. I didn't know. That and teeth. Just There's <laughs> teeth <laughs> littered everywhere. <laughs> and uh, by the way. Cocaine in my arugula. Uh, that's uh, uh, Media Matters, of course, is the one that uh, put this back out here and talked about it. And... <clears throat> That is the least offensive comedy bit I've heard in my life. Yes, there's a little bit of offensive content to that, but hell, I've heard Wanda Sykes say more offensive stuff than that. Let's read from Newsweek here. And by the way, I mean, they're entirely accurate about the fact that that's in the stimulus bill. And to also look into this as well, that's the first thing. It's the table of contents of the first thing is these forgivable loans that are going to predominantly discriminate against groups that own farms. That is top priority in the stimulus bill. Don't believe me? Hey, go look on my Twitter. I provided the stimulus bill to one of my detractors who asked me if I could point to the source of my claims that all these liberal wish list ideas were in the stimulus bill. And I showed them the stimulus. And he said, well, that's too long. I can't read all that. Well, then don't have the fucking argument, you fucking moron. But let's see what Newsweek has to say here. Uh, Steven Crowder faces racism backlash after mocking reparations for black farmers. From Dara Roche. YouTube personality Steven Crowder is facing criticism for comments about black farmers that have been widely perceived as racist. During Tuesday's episode of Louder with Crowder, the conservative commentator made a mock to provision in the COVID-19 stimulus package that provides $5.2 billion for black farmers, calling it reparations for colored farmers. His co-host, David Landau, also made a reference to slavery. This is a person who a sitting Republican senator, Ted Cruz, has loudly defended and also appeared on his show. Tweeted journalist, <clears throat> activist, Mehdi Hassan. The normalization of racism, especially anti-black racism, continues, added the MSNBC host. Jason Campbell, a researcher at Media Matters for America, called the comments wildly racist tirade against black farmers. Media Matters was the first to flag Crowder and Landau's remarks because, of course they were, because they've got, I'm sure that one of the seven people that are watching this right now live, or somebody, one of the probably 15 to 20 people who watch this back after the flag, uh, fact, rather, is from Media Matters, so... Hi, Media Matters. Everybody in the live chat, say hi to Media Matters. They sit and watch content like this, and like Crowder's, and like Matt and Blonde's, and like even Fox News, to go and find, to be the first one to come out and say, see, see that person who doesn't vote progressive, because I'm not a Republican. Crowder is, but I'm not. See, that person who doesn't vote progressive, he's, he's such a racist. Look at him. Many Twitter users shared Campbell's tweet and added their own commentary. Some appeared shocked by the language used. 
because they've never seen a black stand-up routine from the 90s and early 2000s. While others reacted by uh, sharing a separate video of Crowder being punched in the face in 2012. Yeah, they're all proud of that one. They're all kinds of proud of that one. I didn't know people were still doing racism like this. It's so laughably retrograde, tweeted writer Kimberly Nicole Foster. However bad you think it is, it's worse. Just just jaw-droppingly blatant racism, said David French, senior editor at the Dispatch and a columnist for Time magazine. This is way worse than I expected, tweeted Jesse Thorne, host of NPR's Bullseye. A show about popular culture, like worse than I expected even coming from a doof who seems to be doing his announcing while wearing one of those gun holsters like he was an undercover cop and a TV in 1977. So that's what they had to say about Crowder. And like I said, that's... Hell, Chappelle's last stand-up special was more offensive than that. And he got mainstream Netflix. And wide praise for that, too, by the way. But that's what it's... And, I mean, the provisions are right there. Like I said, the first provision in the stimulus bill after the table of contents... Is this what they're talking about in the video clip? So that's what they have for there. And that's going to be it for the news for the day. And the last thing that we do on Wednesday is something that I'm thankful for. And I'm going to go in and, you know, I'm going to use this as another chance to shamelessly plug the charity stream that's coming up. Because I love giving to charity and I want to take some time and do more of that. By the way, too. Hope you guys know my producer sitting over here. I'm actually going to switch back to the widescreen uh, camera shot for the corner one, so my producer gets some on-screen time as well. But uh, yes, that's that's my new producer over here, sitting over here watching over my shoulder. But um, as far as what I'm thankful for, um, I look at this. The first thing that I did immediately last night, I announced on the Red Net show on Monday night, and then on Tuesday morning, yesterday morning, I announced that we are going to be doing this long charity stream. I'm going to start reaching out to some people, but I already have uh, confirmations. We don't know what they're going to do yet, but Quest Fanning is going to come in and participate and possibly help get some more people in. Uh, the Gen Gap guys are both going to be coming in and helping out. Stephen Ignoramus is going to be uh, helping out. I'm going to see if I can put a little bit of elbow into Stephen Ignoramus to see if uh, he'll do some music and possibly some requests for donation money. You know give five bucks you get to request a song kind of thing but uh i've got nothing confirmed as what people are going to do just some confirmed guests right now at this point but the fact of the matter is people look at this and they know that this is a epidemic thing i mean this has been a thing in my life for a long time suicide prevention even before the commie coof came out and the pandemic happened this has been a cause that's been near and dear to my heart and i'm actually going to share my personal story during the live stream probably primetime area too so we get the most viewers going on with this I'm going to sad boy a little bit, but I'm also thankful for the fact that people recognize that this is a growing crisis right now under Kami Kufland. that this is growing and people are being more depressed because they can't go out and interact with people, in spite of the fact that people like me are fucking doing it anyway, but they can't go out and interact with anybody, and they're getting more and more depression coming off of this, and this is a problem that we need to sit down and address immediately, and I'm so thankful that so, there's so much support for this. This is years and years long for me. The first year that I did my video channel, when I was doing solo videos, I did a fundraiser attempt. 
I did not have near enough clout to do anything with it, but I did a fundraiser attempt for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. I don't know if I'm going to go through them or not this time. They kind of made it seem like they don't want to associate with me right now, but you know, I still want to give money to a cause that uh, works with that, so we will see what happens with that. But uh, definitely thankful for the number of people who have jumped on board to come out and help me with this and get this happening. We will see you next month for that as well. Looking forward to that. That is on a Saturday. Midnight to midnight. So we'll see what happens there. But for that, we're going to head on out of here. Let's throw some music up and finish out the day. So thanks everybody who came by and hung out with the uh, with us over in the live chat today. It looks like it started off a little bit slow, but you guys got really, really active towards the end, so that's pretty awesome, you guys. Remember, if you're just lurking, get a message in before the end of the show so I can make sure to thank you properly. Out of my notebook, which I've got over here on Friday, I read everybody's name who chatted in the live chat in the notebook there, so definitely looking forward to that as well. And we will be back here tomorrow for more contemporary. I hope you guys all don't uh, have a great Thank, uh, St. Patrick's Day. I almost said Thanksgiving there. I got, hope you guys all have a great St. Patrick's Day. Don't get too hammered. Or do. Have your shots. I know I picked the horrible weekend to quit drinking, but uh, I had to do it for my own personal sanity as well. But uh, don't get too hammered. Go out there, be safe, have fun, and have a good night there. Uh, be back here tomorrow morning for more Contemporary. Until then, I'm Jay Edgar, and this is Contemporary. <laughs>